So that's good. That's awesome. Thanks for being here today. And at the end of the service, you're going to get to know them a little bit better. And I love their ministry. And I was, the day I went out there, I'm thrilled that I was able to go out. And the Mahalas have been doing, have been a part of that ministry too for a while, which is a good thing. And so, and uh, they were excited about this thing. Psalm 139. And normally, we would sing a few more songs. And then during the offering, we'd have a special and then I get to debrief for a second, clear my throat, drink some water, be ready to go. But we're jumping right back in and doing two services like that. Some days it gets a little bit, my mind is kind of all over the place with things. But this is an important message today because of the world that we live in today. Our world doesn't get the value of life. Why you understand something, I don't expect our world to get it. The natural man does not understand the spiritual things of God. That is a Bible truth. So man doesn't see things the way that God does. Have you realized that ever with anything in life? I think you can see that a lot in life. Man, man's ways are not God's ways. His thoughts and his ways are far superior than ours could ever be. But with that in mind, though our world and our culture believes one thing, the Bible is very clear on the other hand. And today, saying in this room, I believe we have Christians in this room. And if you're not, you can get that taken care of later on. That would be awesome. Today would be a great day for that. But what I want you to understand today is, as a Christian, the Bible tells us God's view on life. Now, our culture goes completely opposite. I mentioned last service, I mentioned our wonderful governor. And I mentioned our governor from time to time, but I will tell you this, and I said it last service, I do criticize some things that he does. But I will tell you this, I, the fact I pray for Gavin Newsom more than I criticize him. So if you say one week, man, pastor's really criticizing him today, I prayed longer this week for him than I did not. If God could change Nebuchadnezzar, I think he could change Gavin Newsom. I really do. I think God can change anyone, right? And so I think about our governor and the fact that he would take, that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself and put that on a billboard and then post that in other states and saying, your state might not allow abortion, but you can come to us. We will fly you, we'll pay everything. I wonder where that money comes from. But anyways. I don't expect him to understand that that verse doesn't give the right for abortion. I don't believe that he's a saved man. And maybe he is, and I can't judge a heart. If he knows the truth and he's not figuring out the truth, he's going to answer for that someday. But before you can love your neighbor, the first commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We've heard a lot the past couple of years, you need to love your neighbor, you need to love your neighbor. And we do need to love our neighbors. But before you can love your neighbor, you need to love God. And when you love God, you need to understand what God loves and what God thinks. 
and then we love our neighbors. I left this illustration up from last week, not because I wanted you to see that I did a great job of taping paper to bricks, okay? I didn't do that. I didn't want you, man, pastor, if you need your Christmas presents wrapped, just see me. I will help you out. You can see right there that, yeah, it's not very good. But anyways, I left this up because I wanted to give you a little illustration this morning. The Bible told, as we looked last week as we're doing our study in Second Peter, how we add to our faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness. You add these things. Do you know, in this area of abortion, this is a good topic to talk about. The problem that some Christians have is we have, this, we have this thought that we are to love everything and everybody. We are to love people. But the thing is, before you can love, there's got to be some knowledge. So as a Bible-believing Christian, and you think about this, Jesus knew all truth. He had all knowledge, right? And he still loved people. Think on that for a minute. How he could, he, he even knew what they had done. I heard some people say that, remember how he got down and was writing in the sand when they brought that woman to him, taken in the very act? Some people said that they think that he was writing out those, the, everyone, I don't know what he was doing. But he literally knows every sin, and he still loves. And he got accused of eating with the publicans and the sinners. I'm glad I serve Jesus today that loves and the publicans, not the righteous indignants. But with that in mind this morning, our culture will tell you lots of things about life. And this is some of the things that we'll say. Many will say that the embryo is just tissue. And that a woman can disregard it as she wants to. Some take a stand and say that the fetus is not regarded as a human being. And that way, until it's actually born, they can get rid of it. And that's their view that they have. There are, and there are some that say till it has a heartbeat. There are some, we look in our world today, and you look at New York and other places, and you remember the legislation there in New York. They were even cheering over the fact that they were trying a late-term, even-after-birth abortion. So in our world, the culture of today is, this is Okay. Just like lots of other subjects, this is okay. Same-sex marriage, it is okay, our world says. And it's okay. It's okay to live together. It's okay to do all these things. That's what our culture says. The problem we have today is that we're letting culture come into church and tell us what we do. And let me just say something. Culture should not tell a church what to do. My opinion shouldn't tell a church what to do. Do you realize, I, people say, well, there are doctors that say that's these, do you realize the best of doctors, do you know what they do? They practice. Did you know that? Isn't, am I lying? They practice. That scares me every time I think about that one. He's just practicing. Well, I hope he's practicing a lot more people before he's practicing on me. But this is the thing, church. Culture cannot determine our values. Because culture is going to drive you to everything against God. Because our culture, what does the Bible say? To love not the world, neither the things there in the world. For he that loves the love of the Father is not in him. And that's not saying don't love the mountains, don't love going to the beach, don't love those things. 
don't love the setup and the, this world's system. And this world system's trying to shove these things down our throats. As Bible believers, and that's what we would call ourselves, right? I hope. How many of you would call yourself a Bible believer? I think, that, good, good answer. That's, I knew you were a good crowd here this morning. As Bible believers, this is what that means. That means where we stand on subjects should not come from what a doctor says or what our culture sh- says. Our view of everything should come from this book. Now, if this book doesn't speak loud on a topic, there might be some liberties on some things. But where the Word of God speaks, that should settle it. Well, I think, let me help you this morning. You, I don't care what you think, and I don't care what I think. And I don't care what this world thinks. I care what God thinks. Because God knows what's best. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter number 9, verse number 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man, shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. We could go back to Genesis chapter number 1, and we could look at what God created, and everything God created was good. In fact, very good. And you look at the fact that when God came to man, he formed him out of the dust of the ground. And then God breathed life into man. Different than anything else God created. The Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, let us make man in our image. God created life. If we want to go more technical, God created everything. And he made everything out of nothing. Everything we create today, we have something to start with. My beautiful blocks here, the blocks were, I, had to, I bought the blocks. I started with the blocks and the paper. We, everything we make, we have something to begin with. God created everything out of nothing. We get to Psalm 139, and I do not believe there is a clear passage of Scripture that talks about life before birth. I'm a firm believer this morning that life begins at conception. And I know there are those out there, and they say, well, this and that, and they have all these different opinions. I don't care about our opinions. You just see what God's Word says today. Now, I could take you to other passages about people sacrificing Moloch and how God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And we go back to Genesis chapter number 4. You think about the fact that when Abel, when he was killed, his blood cried out. The Lord heard it. The Lord knew that he had died. God knows what goes, takes place. How many do you say? 431 a day? Is that what you said? 421. 421 every, every day in California. 421 babies are aborted. 420 every day. And California has the highest rate and the most clinics. This morning, as I go through this passage, I also want to keep in mind that there could be some of you in this room that have had an abortion at one time in your life. I'm not here to shove this down your throat and to make you feel bad today. Okay? 
I'm here because this stuff needs to be preached on. And I'm glad to know that Jesus Christ offers forgiveness. And that he offers healing and restoration that no one else could ever give you. I want our young people to realize that because our world says this okay, that it's not. And I want each of us to know that if our world says it's okay, it's still not. But I also don't want you to feel like I'm beating you over the head if you've had one in the past. Because God does forgive and he chooses to forget our sins. Aren't you grateful for that? But I would also say that if someone has had, there are scars that stick with you. And they do. And the world doesn't share those things with you. And so Psalm 139, this is a psalm of David. We look at verse number one. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and hast thine hand upon me. Such knowledge, it's too wonderful for me. It's hard to grasp this. I cannot obtain to it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? And whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I go up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thine hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Look at verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. Look real close right there. This is in the womb. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, not complete. And in thy book all my members were written, every body part which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Do you see how life matters to the Lord before there's ever any body parts? It's right there. Look at verse 17. It says in verse 17, I was fun there, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. What a great passage of Scripture this morning. Father, help us today as we look at this passage to see some things and to help us today. We love you. We need you. We thank you for life. And I think every person sitting in this room today can be thankful that someone chose life for them and didn't take their life. May we speak out for those who can't speak for themselves. 
may we view this the way you view it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hate sand. How many of you hate sand? Anybody hate sand in the room? I hate sand. It is like, though I, I'm sure that before the fall of man, sand was perfect. I don't know what perfect sand would be like, but I hate sand. You take the kids to the beach or anything like that, and there's sand everywhere. It's like they literally eat it. It's in their hair. It's in their ears. It's between their toes and everywhere in between. And uh, I don't like sand. But have you ever picked up a handful of sand before and just looked at it? The grain is so tiny. You can't even... If someone says, I want one grain of sand, you probably can't even get one grain by itself. And you might say, well, I can do it. Well, congratulations. That's good for you. And... uh, But the Bible says right here, David says how precious that God thinks about. God thinks about you today. And he thinks about you more than the number of grains of sand. You think about this. We look at this passage today, and before you were ever born, you were in God's eyes. As you were being developed, God was there weaving and bringing it all together. And as you live this life, God has his eyes on you. He thinks about you. He loves you. And even when you die, he still cares about you. That's what the scriptures say. We need to look at life from God's point of view this morning. As we dive into this chapter, and as we see right away, we see David starts out, Oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Some people say, well, God's just this old man upstairs. He doesn't want to be a part of our lives. He's just up there letting everything just go as it's going to go. Now, the Bible says here, he watches us and he knows us. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you go to bed. He knows when you eat. He knows what you think. So be good for goodness sake. Oh, no, Uh, no, that's... Sounds a little bit like Santa Claus right there, right? He knows all those things. It says he understands our thoughts afar off. Last night, I had to go help my mom with a, little, with a few things last night after we got done with everything here. And she's trying to tell me something, and she's like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm like, I don't have a clue what you're trying to say right now. And my dad, he didn't know what she was trying to say either. And I said, and I said, because I was thinking about this passage, God knows. He does. And, you know, first off, she's a woman, and a guy's never going to fully get, figure out what a woman's trying to think. You know, do you understand what I'm thinking? No, I don't quite get it. But that's just the difference between men and women. But the Bible says here that God knows everything you do. When you get up, when you go to bed, he searched you, he knows you, he thinks about you, he loves you. That's what the scriptures say. And what David says is because of this, look at verse 6, such knowledge, it's too wonderful for me. This is, all, this is like blowing David's mind, the fact that God thinks this way and views him in this light. And as we look at this, he acknowledges that really in the fa- at the end of the day, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He does. And he says, we go, he goes a little further here. Verse 7, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? And we're seeing that you've got to understand something. 
what this, this knowledge that he has, that God has, and all that God does, that God knows us in every state that we are. Before we come into life, God knew you. Before your mom and dad ever knew that you were going to be born, God already knew you. And God already had a plan and already had a purpose for you. Jeremiah 1, verse number 5. I think Joe's later on in the notes. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Who formed Jeremiah in the belly? Who's the I? It's God. See, our world says that men and women create babies. Men and women play a part in it. And we're not having a lesson on all that today. Men and women play a part. But God is the one who creates them. That I is God. Before Jeremiah was ever thought about, God knew him. And before he ever came forth out of the womb, God set him apart and ordained him. I wonder today how many aborted babies that literally could change this world for the Lord with revival, a great president, that this world will never have because they were aborted. Life matters. God cares about life. You cannot get away from God's presence before you are ever formed. God knew you. You look at that verse there. You look at verse number 8. It says, if I send up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, and that literally is talking about the grave. That's what the word that should be used right there. They use hell, so we think of, we think of the lake of fire. That's talking about the grave right there. Behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thine hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. And what David is doing as he's going through these thoughts here, he sees these things, and as he sees it, it's like you, you've known, you, you're there. You see it all. And then look at what he says in verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast, look at this, covered me, in my mother's womb. When you look at that phrase there, covered me in my mother's womb, that word covered means to entwine or to weave, to bring together. You take, and I could give you some examples this morning, but you take skin. And skin is very, it's, a, it's an amazing substance. The way, it's pretty flexible. It also can get cut over. There's lots of things with it, but skin is, I, um, I have psoriasis. And so psoriasis really is an overactive skin is what it comes down to. So where your skin grows normal, my skin grows two or three times faster in certain areas. That's an autoimmune disease. So it will flake up and get real thick, cut open, and then you've got to use medicine to thin it out so it can grow back thick again and do the process all over again. But you think about this, if you look at skin, it, skin is made up of collagen fibers that are very tough. And the, this collagen, these fibers, they're so strong, and they're, you think about this, the way they're woven together, they say they're even stronger than steel. 
But what do you mean, and how does that work? The thing is, they are knit together. The fibers of your skin are knit together for strength. Literally, that verse in verse number 13 tells us that when you were, he covered you in your mother's womb, he weaved it and entwined it all together. Ever seen DNA? The picture of it? It's not like you see DNA, but under a microscope, they show you different things. Do you see how it's entwined together? That's what God was doing in your mother's womb when he made you. God did that. And David says in the very next verse, wow, look at verse 15. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. The fact that God weaved it all together and made you and I. David looked at that and he's like, wow, look at what God did. I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Hey, church, God makes no mistakes. I know our world would look at certain babies and they even have tests today where if your child has Down syndrome or other things like that, you can choose to not have that baby. God doesn't make a mistake. Some of the most precious children have some of those issues. And God made them the way they are. And I want you to understand something this morning. As we look at this verse, it also is very clear that God, and sometimes you'll look in the mirror, some of you look in the mirror and you wish you were different, and you want this and you want that, and oh, if my nose was just a little different, you know, if my nose wasn't crooked and was completely straight, things like that. If you break your nose, that's how that happens. But anyways, God made you. He weaved you together, brought you together. And when we make fun of people for how they are and what they do, and you're really looking at the maker and saying, you didn't do a very good job. That's why I'm very hard on my kids. I'll just say this, when I was a kid, I got teased a lot about my weight. As a kid, there wasn't much I could do about my weight. I got teased a lot. And I've made it a passion of mine that people don't get teased for their little oddities. Because we all have oddities. We all do. And if you don't think you do, you do, okay? We all do. All of us do. But God made you. And sometimes, well, this kid, if they would just know God made them. And yes, there are character things we got to work on, but God, you're fearfully, you're wonderfully made. God brought everything together, and let's keep reading here. And David says, wow, I will praise him, fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Now look at verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. Now that substance, where does that, what's that? I would say that's at the very beginning. It's not a form yet. It's a substance. Maybe when the seed and the egg get together, a substance. A world will say, that's garbage. That doesn't matter. You can get rid of that. But look at what God's word says. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance. You saw my beginning. You saw what I was. Yet being, it wasn't complete. There were no arms yet. 
There were no legs yet. There might not have been a heartbeat yet. There were none of these things. But look at what it says. Look at what, look at what David says here. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance they were fashioned. God fashioned all of his members, right? His body parts. Keep reading there. When as yet there was none of them. Look at that right there. So my substance, we'll use my, I'm going to use myself here for a minute. The day that my life began at conception, when it began, God saw this little substance. Little, little substance. Nothing to it. No body parts yet, nothing. Just a little substance. And God saw that substance. And God loved that substance so much, he decided to take care of it in the mother's womb. And he weaved together and he designed and he brought together those body parts. I remember with William, our firstborn, we, um, we thought that Carolyn was pregnant, so we went to a doctor to find out, and they said that she was about six, five or six weeks. And they're like, do you want to hear the heartbeat? Your baby is probably the size of a grain of rice. Have you seen a grain of rice? It's pretty small. And even if you can find a big grain of rice, it's still pretty small. And my thinking was, this little thing? And I'll never forget that noise. I'll never forget it. Probably my favorite part of finding out about our children was hearing their first heartbeat, each and every one. They're tiny. There's nothing. There are no arms yet. They have a heartbeat. As a grain of rice. And God cares so much about that substance that he knows before you were ever even formed, he knows who you're going to be. And God goes in there and he gives you a heartbeat. He gives you hands. Gives you toes. Gives you a body. Gives you a little nose. Puts it all together. Why? because you're precious to him. And that substance, though the world looks at that substance and say, says it's nothing, God says, I've got big plans for that substance. And I love that substance. And God takes what this world will throw in the garbage and says, this is where you began. And I'm going to do something great with you. The difference is this world looks at things differently than God does. Job said it this way in Job chapter um, 31. If I did despise the cause of my manservants or my maidservants when they contended with me, what then shall I do when God riseth up? And when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb... Make him. And did not one fashion us in the womb? Who fashioned us in the womb? God did. Who made us 
God did. Our world would say, we created this. God created it. That's the difference. And that's why when God makes life, God should be the only one to take life. And I don't care if you are a, a substance still being created or if you are an elderly person or anywhere in between. God is the giver of life and the taker of life. Not us. Life matters to God. Say, why does this, why are we against what our governor and what this world's pushing? Because God's against it. That's why. Because before you were born, God knew you and God loved you and had a plan for your life. And when you were brought forth in secret, and when you were just a little bitty substance, God took that substance, wove it together, and fashioned you and made you. And everywhere you go, he sees it. And everything you do, he knows about it. And he can't get you out of his mind because he just can't stop thinking about you. You are literally, have you seen the grain? Have you gone to, this, gone to the beach ever? There are a lot of grains of sand. And the Lord thinks about you that much. Why should life matter to us? Because it matters to God. Why should an embryo, a fetus, whatever you want to call why should that matter? Because it matters to God. Life matters to God. And we as Christians talk a big talk, but we don't walk a very big walk. I don't know many Christians that would say that they're for abortion, but then there are not many that will go out and pray. When's the last time you prayed and asked God to forgive our nation for abortion? Say, well, I don't, you know your tax dollars go for it? In one way or another, we might not be doing it, but they're still, are you an American today? I heard Nehemiah pray a lot of prayers to God, asking for forgiveness for his people that he wasn't even alive for when it happened. We need to seek God. This battle today is not a flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle taking place. And the devil, do you know, do you know why I believe it's such a spiritual battle? Because God loves life so much. Satan knows that. And Satan wants everything done to make God unhappy. Satan hates God happy. Literally. And one of the things I think that touches, you think, you look in our world, what are the big topics? Marriage, abortion. Why is it these big topics? Because these are all institutions that God made and God loves. And Satan wants to destroy those things. But God is bigger, and God is greater. I hope that this morning, through the psalm, if your view wasn't where it needed to be before, that you would view life the way God does, and how precious it is. God's amazing in what he's done, and he loves you today. And he loves all those babies that get aborted. He does. God could change, this world could change 
You look, there are some states that have almost completely outlawed abortion. I pray it happens in all 50. God can do great things. But the battle begins when we get on our knees before God and beg him. The day I went to the Planned Parenthood with Stephen over here, it was a Friday. And he told me that Friday is the day all they do is abortions. That's what they do. There was no doctor there Friday because there were no abortions to be done that day. And I got to walk around that whole area and see loving people in the back, out front, just playing their worship music, praying to God, and prayer works. We get to be a part of the thing, and I'm excited for it. Stephen, 